welcome back to part two of the Surface Transport edition of the Venari podcast with our guest, Lee Sander. In part one, we heard Lee's thoughts on the impact of COVID on transit in North America. And today we will be discussing the outlook for transit post-pandemic. Um, so yeah, to kick off, Lee, in your mind, what is the outlook for transit in this pandemic, well, this post-pandemic world? So, you know, most broadly, uh, I am um, optimistic, as we talked about last week, you know, the agencies are going to have to do a lot of institutional healing because of the massive impact, both on a human level, on a customer level, on a financial level. So a lot of work there. But once uh, the agencies get past that, I think the future looks bright. I think we all understand that, you know, working probably and no one has a crystal ball, but most prognosticators, you know, think that, uh, you know, people will be coming back in large part, whether it's 70 percent, 80 percent. And so transit is going to need to adjust to that. But you can't have uh, cities function without transit. They're synonymous. And so uh, it's just is unlikely that business is going to abandon downtowns, people are going to abandon, the growth level may be reduced. But the interesting point about that from a transit planning, regional planning perspective, was that the growth that we saw occurring in places like New York, in Boston, in Toronto, in Vancouver, was overheated. It was almost you know, too much migration to these limited you know, centers. So some uh, slowdown in those growth patterns, which buys you, let's say, a couple of years of the natural annual growth uh, in demand, some slowing down of that is not a bad thing because the capacity of these transit agencies, of these governments to build, 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 to capture that demand, to respond to that demand, you know, was limited. Uh, and so some reduction in demand is not a bad thing. Uh, obviously, you know, the downtowns may need to be repurposed to a degree, a lot of discussion about that already, you know, being envisioned in terms of converting some office buildings, you know, um, uh, to residential. Um, but uh, from, you know, from what I see, and, you know, many other people have observed this as well, the big drivers in terms of downtowns still appear to be committed. Um, Google just reiterated last week you know, they only in 2018 decided they were going to go into New York in a big way, a billion dollar campus, 14,000 employees. Um, they uh, reiterated last week, they're still on target. They want those 14,000 people uh, back uh, in New York. Similarly, JP Morgan Chase, Jamie Dimon said the same thing there. Goldman Sachs, the same there. So I don't think they're the outliers. I, again, I don't think people will be coming back 100%. But, you know, we, we think that they will be back. So in terms of the implications for transit, you know, that means that our need for transit and dependency on transit, you know, will be a strong, uh, you know, will, will that the ultimate need will be, you know, very, very strong. And you also then have the drivers of equity, climate change. You overlay that in terms of the normal functioning of cities, um, transit will still be needed. Completely agree. I think you mentioned Google here in London as well. They have the Central London HQ that's being built currently near King's Cross. And it's, uh, we call it the landscaper, where it's uh, 330 meters sideways, which is incredible. But again, that's going to house 7,000 employees. It's very much still moving forward. They're very much committed to that as well. So, yeah, I think we Google did come out and say they're open to that hybrid working plan with people moving from home, but still 
I think they do see the commitment for people who want to be back in the city. I know as a business here, um, we very much have a hybrid solution where people can work from home. You know, we're set up to do that. But I know, you know, speaking to my colleagues, they're itching to get back into the office uh, like I am today. And it's, uh, yeah, I can see it pushing forward and, uh, you know, slowly figures coming back. And as we talked about last week, you know, the transit agencies are going to need to rebuild the trust of its customers uh, to demonstrate that uh, their health is not at risk. Uh, you know, within the vehicle. I think that's now been demonstrated without need to be reiterated. And so lots of work that transit agencies will need to do. They will need to continue to innovate, be customer oriented, uh, improve passenger information with apps and other technologies. So they are competitive because we also don't want people driving. Uh, the downtowns, you know, don't have the parking capacity and the linear capacity in terms of movement to uh, support that cities vary in the United States compared to you know, Europe. Uh, and so transit will need to be competitive. So people, you know, don't, uh, you know, go back to uh, driving uh, cars into downtown. Uh, so a lot of work to be done, but the broader parameters, you know, are there. And I think we saw the financial decisions done made both in, um, in Ottawa and Canada uh, and at the provincial level, um, as well as in the United States and Washington, you know, the strong governmental support and government can make a difference in terms of driving you know, uh, these, you know, the behaviors with financial support and leadership uh, to, to convey how crucial uh, transit is to society. Definitely, I think you've already commented a bit on that just then with, you know, understanding what will transit agencies need to do in order to build, you know, this path to recovery. Um, you know, I know you mentioned a few points there. Are there any further ones where you think are going to be critical? Uh, you know, I think it is the media. I think it is, you know, all the ways in which, you know, you engage in outreach. I think it's public events. I think it's, you know, mayors, governors, premiers taking this system, demonstrating, you know, that it is safety, safe, and then having the broader conversation about why from an equity and climate change standpoint, um, and just an economic standpoint, how vital these systems are. I think that they are a little bit unappreciated. Maybe that's biased in terms of my background. Um, uh, you know, they get appreciated when they stop. <laughs> then people freak out. Yeah, but you know, uh, until the, until that happens, you know, and you don't want that to happen, they tend to be kind of taken for granted. So I think emphasizing to society uh, how they are an integral part of the functioning of a large metropolitan area, not just the downtown, but you know, large metropolitan areas, and that's where most of the population are, don't function if you don't have a vibrant downtown. And that does not happen with a vibrant, dynamic transit agency. That's rubber tire with bus, that's light rail, that's subways, you know, that's commuter rail. And then there's also a tie-in in terms of, uh, in terms of intercity high-speed rail too. Definitely. I know I'd struggle to get into work if I didn't have the transit system. So, uh, yeah, I'm very much grateful for them. Um, and the other one was, like, you know, we've seen, you know, transits like New York City MTA, who have now completed its contactless payment rollout um, to all the subways and buses. How important is that going to be? Because obviously, previously, we'd have had weekly, monthly, annual fare systems where they were in play. But now, obviously, with the hybrid working solutions, people want that flexibility, which surely this will allow. There's going to have to be another financial model. I, mean, I think what's occurred to get through the pandemic in the next year or two, there's been a lot of brute force, force financially in terms of a lot of expenditures in, you know, in the next couple of years just to, to uh, support the capital and operating budgets now. But in the longer term, if these 
uh, hybrid work patterns do continue, and one would assume to some degree they will, whether it's you know 10%, 20% working from home, there will need to be some new financial models, you know, so that these systems, you know, are um, are uh, support uh, maybe more from a state, regional, federal tax perspective, uh, you know, as compared to the fare box. Uh, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, on the one hand, the ridership will be less. On the other hand, uh, it will prevent less crowding. You'll have less crowding, which uh, and so it's kind of an interesting complementary uh, behavior there, but with less people. You know, whether it's 10, 20, you know, percent less people running the system, one will need to uh, calibrate financially in terms of how one supports that, maybe less of a fair box. Definitely. Yeah, some great insight there as well in terms of how we're going to push through over the coming years and really not only build back revenue, but also bring back the customers uh, back onto the transits and build that trust. Um, and yeah, I appreciate this week again in terms of giving your insights. And I know next week we're going to be discussing you know, what does the future hold for transit with the Biden infrastructure plan uh, in terms of climate change? So I'm very much looking forward to those discussions, but uh, thank you again, Lee. My pleasure, Gov.